Hope you've all had a lovely start to the new year. We are on our usual holiday break, but we just wanted to give you something putrid and disgusting to smack your gums on this week. So we've uploaded this preview of our behind-the-scenes discussion of the Season 8 premiere, Vermis. Now, if you enjoy, you can find the rest of the 45-minute discussion on Patreon, where we've also got bonus episodes, the first edition of the Wrong Station lore book, and our Grimoire Club. There's already three episodes of that, and this month we'll be discussing the Screwfly Solution. Of course, if you just want to dip your toe in all this, you can also sign up for a free trial for one week. Neat. But in any case, whatever you do, stay warm, stay scared, and enjoy. Bum, 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 banana. Ooh. Oh, Zoom thinks I'm playing music. That was, ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I hit those notes what a real compliment. What a Damn. Totally deserved. Special audio in audio settings. Ooh. Welcome to the first control tower of the season and our first control tower of a Halloween episode. Thus why I gave you the Toccata and Fugue. Indeed. Minor. Today, we're talking about Vermis, written by Alexander Saxton. I did describe this continually. I described this to, you know, people just just like, hey, what are you working on? Oh, just the the most awful, vile thing we've ever written. (laughs) The most vile, awful thing we've written so far. That's how I pitched it. That's why I pitched it to Rachel. It's like Rachel, I, I I want you to. I've got an episode for you, but I just it it is the most <laughs> disgusting thing uh, Alexander's ever written. I just want to give you a warning. Let, walk let's me through do that, that conversation. Walk me through. Walk me through. How did how did how did this go? Okay, uh, Rachel, would you like to do an episode of Wrong Station? Oh yes, of course. Uh, but I have just one thing. Yes. Uh, it is the most disgusting thing Alexander has ever written. Oh, well, I'll have to read it at least. And now the big reveal. Who is Rachel to Alexander? Rachel is my cousin. I see her. I see her at family dinners. <laughs> Not no more. I haven't seen her since she recorded this episode. So I don't know. Have you not? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where we stand right now. <laughs> oh, she had a she had a blast doing that. Also, let me to, just to clarify. It's this. It is, sounds this, like, like she did. Like that comes across. Yeah, it sounds and, great. Yeah. She's this clearly this, having a good time. It's this is a funny coincidence. Just just to make clear that like you know Rachel is is Alexander's cousin, but also coincidentally has also been a very good friend of mine for ten years. That you know we met doing theater stuff. So it's just it's 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 the. <laughs> It's the Dublé. It's the it's the Dublé connection. You know, Anthony, you've ruined a, a great friendship. I've ruined my whole family. It's, it's no, a momentous she, episode. She had a great time. I wish she could have joined us this morning. She's in a class. Yeah, she had a great time oh, because because she knew that you were sitting fucking rocks. Well, she knew that you were sitting right there, and after reading a story like that, you gotta you gotta play nice. You don't know what the person's capable of. That's true. That's true. I could be full yeah, of worms. She's like, yeah, she's gonna, yeah. What if you fill her up with worms? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I remember when you handed in like the first draft of this, Alexander, mm-hmm. and you were like, is this too much? And like, I don't know, maybe I have like a maybe it's my science background or something, but I was like, no, nah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's like you you can go harder if you wanted. Like, 
Like I did say it was the grossest thing we'd ever written, but I wasn't looking at it through my eyes. I was looking at it through the eyes of like what I knew everyone else would think. Uh huh. For me, like you and I have had this joke since you came started writing this, which is like, they're just little worms. They're just little guys. They're just little worms. Mm, some of them are so little. Some just little. They're not so little. They're they're just worms though. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Sometimes a guy is just full of worms. It, it happens. And sometimes they get into his brain and they make him write a story about how great it is to be full of worms and how everyone <laughs> should do it. I mean, it's less a story than a persuasive essay, I think. I, I think it's very persuasive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to. Otherwise, I'm going to get wormed. <laughs> you have to. You must. Well, this is where we should get into the let's get to the meat of it, Alexander. Yeah, why, why did story. you why? Why? Did you what, what? What is this about? Why did you write the fucked up thing as we as we like to start all control towers by saying? So a couple of years ago, in the depths of a depression, uh, I went for a walk and I came up with an idea for a story that felt incredibly that that was horrible. It was the worst thing I'd ever written. And I really felt like it captured the mood and the experience of what I was going through at the time. And also um, what what I felt a lot of other people were going through at the time. Uh, and, and I was extremely proud of it. And that story was called Do You Need? <laughs> and after that story, I really felt like I had, I felt the you know, like the pride of having built like a little machine, you know? Mm -hmm. Like having built a little machine that does something that that no other little machine you've ever seen has done. And it does it really well. And I was very proud of it. And then I thought, well, let's let's really open this fucker up and see what it can do. Let's really <laughs> l l let's really let's give it some juice and see what can happen. So you know, part of it was part of it was I, I felt like I'd, I'd struck on a, a rich vein, uh, a rich creative vein with "Do you need? Do you need?" And I wanted to follow that some more. Part of it was, you know, I just in in the course of my procrastination spent a lot of time reading about um, Ascaris worms, uh, which just, you know, like I, there were a couple of pictures that I saw uh, in articles about these about these worms that just struck such a visceral chord. Uh, and whenever whenever I see something or feel, feel something like that, it, it feels like something I just have to explore and really get into what that feeling of, of revulsion is about and explore it. Which I, which um, honestly is not is barely a hop and a step from the from the Dr. Pimple Popper and the you know like the shaving a, a cow's hoof to get like the 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 shit out. I've never it's seen really, those videos. It's really not that odd. It's really not that strange. Okay. Well, I got a the pimple popping thing. I've never that's something to explore. The not my jam. Not the not hoof my is, The hoof thing actually is like one of the few things that makes me go uh. The hoof like, thing. Now that sounds rich. That sounds rife. Well, that's um, what you were saying, the, the shaving the hoof. Shaving the hoof. Just like imagine what you could find in there, what what we as writers could put in there. Put in a hoof? Shave the metaphor. Put in that little hoof cavity. Yeah. Oh, my God, the possibilities. Well, here's an idea. Not, not hoofs no more. You, got, you, you replace the hoof with molars. All like right. Each hoof is one big molar. Like a tooth. Oh. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's like how it's like how hoofs are technically toenails. Yeah, just take that exactly. one step forward. It's teeth. Now they're teeth. Now they're teeth. Now, hoofs. now, 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 
make it make it comedy make Mm -hmm. it comedy put that horse on a marble floor Uh uh-huh he's not going anywhere (laughs) he's and the and the horse is too slippery it's too slippery horses yeah there you go i've never actually seen i've never seen one with a horse it's always been a cow oh okay oh i've seen like a horse you've never seen like when the hoof comes off and there's like sort of peels all all the shit inside the hoof yeah no no that's that's yeah that's uh anyway that's the the one one of the few things that gets me anyway uh other things in the air um jacob had written this very brilliant pilot for a tv show which will someday get made and make him fabulously rich and hopefully i get a few a few you know filthy filthy farthings tossed my way in the form of uh writing contracts Uh, (laughs) but the, the pilot of this show um focuses on neglected tropical diseases of which uh, Ascariasis is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, you know, that gave me an important thing for the story to, to be about. Uh, and then it, it's in its own way, it's a sort of inversion of do you need because do you need do you need is uh, it's sort of a story about radicalization and about the circumstances under which people get themselves um, radicalized in online communities. Um, and this this story is sort of the inversion of that. It's about the radicalism of the status quo, mm. um, and about about the the insanity of established people and institutions and the way and the way things are, and how you know how there's this sort of knife's edge difference between things that are the most fringe and the most and the most outre, and things that are established norms and, and institutions that we all accept. I think, you know, before this call, we were talking about um, the absolutely insane Zionist militia Leahy, which, you know, was arrested early on in in the foundation of Israel uh, for being actual terrorists. And then later were like incorporated into the IDF. And like two decades later, they had a president elected. And these were like Zionists who wanted to ally with Hitler in the 40s, like like crazy people. that's just top of mind because we were talking about it right before the call. But 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 just the the idea that ensconced within the very legitimate, very genteel um, institutions and people that rule society is this is this is this fucking craziness is this deep well of madness that mm-hmm. is is separated from the things that we fear and revile only by a cordon of of money and prestige. And so that was that was another reason why I wanted to write this. I, I wrote the first draft before I had ever read anything by J.G. Ballard. And then I remember I was reading the Atrocity uh, Exposition uh, while I was getting ready to work on a second draft of this. And I realized, oh, no, I can I can take this further. I can I can really I can really. Oh, I there, there's so much more I could do. I could really open this up. I could really. I could really let this thing breathe. I could really put some oxygen into this engine and, and see how fast it can go. And so I, I really loved writing the story because I found it incredibly um, liberating to be able to do. Mm. I, f- I found it was um, a way for me to be really honest about the class atmosphere that I've that I've grown up in as well, or grown up on on the edges of. It's a story that is about Toronto waspdom in a way that stories we've had before haven't been Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think it's it's a it's a pretty frank and and true story about about the reality of that 
So that's where this came from. Th those are those are some of the strands that were on uh, on my mind when when Vermis came together. I think um, something that fascinates me. Well, first of all, I wanted to say uh, I didn't realize that uh, my script had something to do with this. Oh yeah, I had Definitely. no idea. Oh, I, I love that. And, and and now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, part of that script is about a neglected tropical disease making its way into a like pretty ordinary Canadian community mm -hmm. and and sort of about the the complete lack of preparation and and, you know, the, the strangeness of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually do see how some of those themes and it's it's so funny because that influenced this story your story is now currently influencing me on writing um what i am hoping to be my ultra disgusting vermis-esque piece that makes everybody uncomfortable and leads to a bunch of hilarious messages mm -hmm. um, through our various social media uh channels but what i find what i find really interesting when i when i first read this story and 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 now listened to the story and saw the changes you made from the first to second draft. I was also struck by the the aspect of hypocrisy mm -hmm. and the idea that like to live with hypocrisy, a hypocrisy that's so blatant and obvious and huge to both have worms and to deny that you have worms at the exact same time is basically just madness. Mm -hmm. And how common that is. Mm hmm in in our world like like not not worms specifically but you know worm like things mm -hmm. the idea that you could you know the to use the most obvious example since this is kind of what the whole story is about or not what it's about but it's a theme in the story the people who claim to be pro life and support like you know anti uh choice legislation mm -hmm. and then also like also support the bombing of countries that they've never visited or mm -hmm. the like uh, eradication of the poor through you know uh, ridiculous social policy mm -hmm. and like those people come across as insane mm -hmm. when they talk because they have to truly i i truly believe that the human body cannot like hold on to hypocrisy for that long mm -hmm. without becoming like deranged yeah like because everybody everybody always says like oh well you know I say don't smoke, but I smoke. I'm a hypocrite. But it's mm -hmm. like the the deeper hypocrisies, like I think genuinely will make you go insane if you let them sit in your body too long. It's like radiation poisoning. Yeah, the the existential hypocrisies. Yeah, well, it's, your brain will it'll adapt to make that make sense, however mm -hmm. it has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like being Dutch and Portuguese at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Which was a also that a thing none that... of you heard. <laughs> this was also pre-episode. That was a pre-episode riff. Fucking Spinoza. Yeah. Pick one, you Pick son of a bitch. He's the only, the only person, the only person who, who ever was both Dutch and Portuguese, and it, and it destroyed his mind, and that's it destroyed why, his mind. That, that's why you know, that's why he did philosophy. Yeah, he was a man of many, uh, many hypocrisies. He was a lens grinder and a philosopher. The, My God, pick two one. communities. What, pick what, a one. what a pervert. What a Between, depraved human being. And those two communities, they're on site. Like you, you, you a lens grinder, you walk into the philosopher <laughs> into corner the philosopher's of town. district. Yeah. Oh, you're you're getting fucking beamed. Yeah. You're getting hit by a blackjack. Your family's gonna find you with a Colombian <laughs> necktie. Or should I say a philosopher's necktie? I think that's a anyway. bow tie. It's a bow, oh, yeah. 
and and uh, leather patches on your tweed. It's human leather. It's listen. That's that riff didn't work, but it's okay. The lens grinders district, the danger zone. They're known yeah. to put a bullet in a stranger's dome. Do not go there. Do not go to that part of town. That is where the lens grinders do their grinding. Do their horrible grinding. <laughs> anyway, the Dutch, the Portuguese, the lens yeah. grinders, the philosophers. philosophers. Mm-hmm. We could go wor- on, worm but we ha- won't. The worm havers and the worm wanters. Yeah. So what else What else were you... Like, this is... I mean, I... I, I, Alexander, I think Vermis was a much better title than Apocalypse Worm, which was your <laughs> your working title on uh, draft one. Was it? Is that is that real? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh damn it! That would have been. Uh, I would have. I bought that. I bought that immediately. Man, I uh, I bought that. And I was yeah. like, is that something? I guess it sounds like something I might have written. It sounds. It does sound it like very something. stupid. But I think we've just did a self-fulfilling prophecy that there will one day be a story <laughs> called Apocalypse, Apocalypse Worm. Worm. Isn't that two. a magic card? I think that's a magic card. It feels Apocalypse it's... Worm. Yeah, Apocalypse oh. Worm is a magic card. W U R M. Okay, oh. I'm looking it up. Maybe. Is that, is that like a thirteen drop or something? Now I'm also thinking of the critic and Apocalypse. Wow. I have. I have a. Uh, I have a question for you. Yes. Before, and then we'll get into the full questions. Okay. My question for you is, what changed between... So I, I feel like a, a lot of what was talked about in the episode mm-hmm. is the same from first to second draft. Like, I think your themes are very consistent. Mm-hmm. What changed from the first to second draft when you were sort of just adjusting, tweaking the knobs, like changing things? Because I, I looked back at the first draft and I'm like, oh, these are these are quite large changes. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of had a classic wrong station ending for the mm-hmm. first draft, if you remember. Right. I mean, the, cl- the classic wrong station ending, I, I think it just didn't, it didn't turn the screw enough. And mm-hmm. and I, it needed to be something that, in, in order to, for the story to feel like it had real stakes, it, it felt like it needed to be more than just uh, the story of this, this one woman's decline. Um, and it needed to have a broader significance. Mm-hmm. And in the first draft, I don't think I... I don't think I had it expanding outward enough in a way that I did yeah. in the second draft. And I, I think the, the th- one of the things that I loved about the version of the story at the end is the way in which her thing proves mm-hmm. contagious, not just in a physical sense, but in an ideological sense. Like the whole mm-hmm. image of her of her daughter walking down the street in the bright dress at the end of the story is one that that captured the idea that I wanted, which is that this isn't just a fucked up person. This is something that, that people in her situation are really susceptible to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wanted to show that, that the, the spontaneously generating disease was inside, was inside everyone in that world. Part of what changed was, I, I think I made it grosser. Well, I think maybe the ideas in the first draft were were as gross, but I think I became more gross in the writing as a result of reading some Ballard and and really realizing um, that I could be pushing things a lot further than I was, and I could mm-hmm. be a lot more daring in what I in what I was doing and how I was describing the world. So I think that the style of the story changed a lot because of that influence. About Crash, Ballard said that he wanted to rub the human face in its own garbage. Mm. Um, and that's that's not something I wanted to do um, because, you know, I think I have a much more optimistic 
opinion of the human race than he did. For me, this was about like the neighborhoods and 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 people and community that I that I grew up in and around. I wanted to rub their face in garbage because mm-hmm. there are people who I think need to have their face in in garbage. And and, and the aspects of of myself, more, more I think may, maybe more important to me as a writer, uh, the aspects of myself that are uh, of of that community and of that world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so like. Part of part of writing the story was was rubbing those parts of myself, the the, the Dutch aspects of myself, if you will, <laughs> uh, in that garbage, as you know, as a way of changing myself. And yeah, so the seeing seeing that seeing the worms spread uh, at the end of the of, of the second draft felt like a a more meaningful way for the story go than it had originally gone, um, and it also felt like a a more true way for things to go because I mm-hmm. think it's a uh, a more accurate depiction of of how the kinds of ideas for which the worms are metaphorical spread and metastasize among elite communities. Kind of reminds me of the way that disease has been contextualized in other parts of the world and in other eras mm-hmm. where, you know, tuberculosis became this... Um, you know, this romantics disease. Mm-hmm. And in part, of that's because, you know, rich people basically decided to fetishize it, this mm-hmm. thing that killed them and killed the artists that they cared about. And they were like, well, if we're going to have this illness, if we're going to have to live with this illness, we better make it fashionable, mm-hmm. I guess. And it's it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's it's a bacteria that that kills people. Shades but, of uh, Brandon Cronenberg's antiviral. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and to sort of to to try and you know take this disease and and attach all these cultural and uh, and positive signifiers to it just because you can't live with the idea that you're sick mm-hmm. um, is it, it feels very uh, vermicy. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's, let's do some let's do some, some these, questions. Some of these listener questions. Well, All right, I'm let's still do some fortified against the criticism. Let's do it. Let's start with a, a selection of the.